Welcome to the Cardboard Herald Reviews, where we give you audio versions of our game reviews, then go behind the scenes of our creative process. Clans of Caledonia, the greater cinematic Franzverse. Designed by Juma Aljuju, artwork by Clemens Franz, published by Karma Games, 1-4 to four players, 90 to 120 minutes, shorter for solo, review by Jack Eddy. In spite of all of its efforts, I really dig Clans of Caledonia. Yeah, yeah, I know, it's designed to be enjoyed, games should be designed to be enjoyed, but the DNA that makes up this game isn't really my jam, drawing heavy mechanical inspiration from economic Euro predecessors like Terra Mystica, Agricola, and the Voyages of Marco Polo, Clans appears to be a dry, complicated, and punishing game of agricultural domination, which it absolutely is. The big difference, though, is empowerment. The economy of sheep. Gameplay. Clans of Caledonia effectively boils down to producing resources to fulfill orders. Those resources can either be bought from the market with some hard-earned scratch, or you can deploy your pieces on the board. There are two types of pieces, ones that produce stuff, wool, milk, wheat, or cheddar, money, or there are factories which change your stuff into bigger, better processed stuff, bread, whiskey, or cheddar, the cheese. Obviously, putting pieces on the board is the sound investment, but this is a game where every penny counts. Deploying pieces is slow and costly, and with only five rounds in the game, it's hard to gauge exactly how beneficial their production will be. Fortunately, guidance is provided via asymmetric powers. Each player has a clan, and that clan's power will often provide general nudges in a direction without entirely dominating a player's game. Maybe you can buy and sell more goods at better prices, or producing an aging whiskey will net you continuous money, or maybe your clan knows the secret and coveted recipe for butter, allowing you to convert milk into hard-earned cash at a fixed premium. That said, all of this will usually be in service of allowing you to fill more orders, which is really the major goal of the game. First off, in order to fill orders, you must have orders, and typically each player can only hold one order at a time. And these orders, requiring various goods, including the slaughtering of your own poor milk and wool producing livestock, will make up the majority of your points. While each round has its own bonus point awards, like two points for every deployed worker, the orders give you intangible commodities, cotton, sugarcane, and tobacco. These all score at the end of the game, where the one that players collectively own the least of is the most valuable, setting up a sort of internal economy. And speaking of economy, the market is by far the most innovative system in Caledonia. Whenever you sell or purchase goods, the monetary value of that good moves up or down. In other words, if you sell tons of cheese, cheese supply is high, which means it will reduce in value. The more people buy wool, the price skyrockets with demand. This imbues you, the player, with an awesome and terrifying power to control the free market, employing its whims as an aspect of your economic domination, Milton Freeman would be proud. Reaping what you sow, how it feels. 
This precision of choices and impact on the internal economy sets up a sort of rhythmic deliberation to the game. You have to really commit to what you're doing and work with the consequences. That isn't to say that it is a set path to victory, but victory is reliant on you remaining focused on one objective at a time, chaining consecutive actions together. Get my cows placed here, convert milk to cheese there, purchase a wool, slaughter a cow, and fill this order, all so I can start focusing on my next objective. That said, clans constantly beckons you to change your plans. Can you really pass up a deal if whiskey prices are that low? Maybe filling your order would get you some points, but the current price of cheese is so high that you'd be a fool not to sell. This is compounded by a proximity bonus that happens when you build next to a neighbor. If one of your pieces is placed next to your opponent, you can immediately purchase what their piece produces from the market at a cheaper price. This encourages strategic, clustered, and hopefully mutually beneficial placement on the board. It's this precision and immediate impact of your decisions I love most about the game. Every choice has a consequence for everyone at the table, and you are constantly making meaningful decisions as you build, produce, purchase, and fulfill your way through the game. There's a really empowering sense of manifest destiny, trusting that every action is leading to some larger outcome, even if you aren't always sure what it is yet. A subjective duality, art and presentation. When I say that Caledonia looks fine, it's with a degree of bitterness that I compromise the good and the bad. I'll start off by saying that I really like how the game looks on the table, a lush green and blue world of hexagons adorned with appropriately vibrant and thematic meeple components. Best of all, the game does a phenomenal job at conveying information in a really succinct, intuitive way. So why the duality? I'm really not feeling the character artwork in this game. Yes, Clemens Franz is a wildly popular artist in the board game biz, and his presence here lends us a sort of legitimacy to the first major release by Karma Games, but it just doesn't really do any favors to the game. While I've never been wowed by Franz's artwork, I've respected the sheer amount of work that he's produced over the years, including perhaps most notably the majority of Uwe Rosenberg's classic games. But in Caledonia, whether it's the juxtaposition of Franz's characters against the much less stylized backgrounds, or it's just not his best work, the characters feel disjointed, uninteresting, and out of place. Don't get me wrong, if you are a diehard Franz head, the characters will fit within the greater cinematic Franzverse, but their integration into the card and box artwork feels out of place, which is a shame for a game that feels otherwise so incredibly cohesive. Fortunately, this never detracted from my enjoyment of playing the game, it just never amplified it either. An invigorating shot. Final thoughts. In a surprise twist that I never expected, Clans turned out to be one of my favorite Euros of the last few years. Perhaps it's because, unlike many of its predecessors that it draws heavy inspiration from, it feels restrictive yet never punishing. There are a few things that you can do in the game that will fully derail your ability to participate in the rest of the game. Some people will call this too forgiving. I call it fun. Furthermore, the asymmetric powers are subtle yet substantial changes, modifying how you approach the game, making sure that each time it hits the table, it feels both familiar yet new. Lastly, it plays fantastic at each player count, never feeling like you really have to compromise the core loop of the game to seat a certain number of players. That said, the game won't be for everyone. If you absolutely can't stand economic Euro games, steer clear. This is an abstract game of resource collection and conversion. No amount of forgiving player empowerment is going to change that. 
But if you love games with tons of successive decisions, with loads of depth, skill, and indirect player interaction, with adorable pieces and great table presence, Clans of Caledonia is an excellent and surprisingly approachable entry point into the world of heavier economic Euro games. So if you are listening to this, then you know what's up. But if you're watching this, this is the Cardboard Herald's TCBH Reviews Additional Thoughts and Review Q&A portion, where we do audio versions of our reviews, whether they're video reviews or they're written reviews, and we make this as the kind of back end to that bi-weekly podcast. And today we're tackling Clans of Caledonia. And sometimes we record this in video format, rip the audio, put it into the podcast, and then the video ends up going onto the video channel. So if you're here, welcome. Hope you check out all of our stuff. So, diving right into this, as far as this game, I did have some additional thoughts because it's been over a month since I published this review and I have had a chance to think about it a little bit more, mull it over a little bit more, and there were a couple things that I really wanted to tackle. First off, I don't know that I really focused on this in the review, which I do think was a really good review, and it was really well received, both on Reddit and BGG and our site. Like, looking at the stats, a lot of people really responded to it quite well. But this game, it, it's counterintuitive to new players, and I didn't really find a way of integrating that into the review itself. Also, because I played primarily with the same group, so we were kind of developing our skill level. And I thought about it a little bit more, and this game played a lot different than any of us really anticipated going into it. It has some systems in it where you'll be hesitant to place yourself right next to other people because you don't want them to reap your rewards. But at the same time, you need kind of a mutually beneficial relationship. And also, you don't initially realize how every single penny counts in this game. And I didn't really account for that in the review. And so I think if you are a more experienced Clans of Caledonia player, the best way of getting someone up to snuff is making sure that they are aware of how important placement is in relation to other players and that it can be a mutually beneficial situation. Make sure that they know that every single penny counts in this game and that your placement in relation to those high expensive spots, the fours and fives, is going to become incredibly important, especially as the rounds go on. And then just for yourself, I'd make sure that you pick a clan that you haven't played yet, certainly a clan that you haven't won with yet, in order to experiment around and make sure it's fresh for you as well. Not only is that more fun, but it's also a little bit of a, a handicap, so that way you're playing alongside the newbies and making sure that they have a fair chance at getting into it as well. Now, another thing I didn't spend too much time on is that I didn't really get into the fact that this game is really finely balanced. Like, in a way that I feel confident in playing every clan. And what's weird and kind of cool about the game is that I never really thought going into any particular clan that this one is overpowered. But there were times where I was like, man, this one seems weak compared to the other clans. 
And with some additional plays and, and with some time into the game, I realized that every clan is really finely tuned to do some things that may not seem as powerful at first, but because of that aspect that I was talking about earlier where every single penny counts, it does come out that every clan has its use. Like, I, I don't think that any are just straight up super weak compared to the others. And I really appreciate that level of balance because the special powers that each clan possesses is wildly different than one another. Like, it's one thing to have a game where you have a little bit of asymmetry, but it's so subtle that it doesn't really affect how you play the game. In this one, it has a huge effect on how you play the game. Now, the last thing that I was thinking about as I was reading the review for the podcast here is that coming to this game again, I really I really have a strong affection for both the the fit and finish of the game, you know, the the presentation uh, aside from some of the visual aspects which I mentioned in the review with uh, the character designs, but also, just the, the general feeling of the game. So, the the look, it, it's lush and it's vibrant and it looks fun on the table with all these pieces. I especially love the powder blue color. is a really cool look. And the custom meeples, not only are they beautifully cut, but some of them have more dimension to them than others, like especially the barrels. Uh, I'm always really impressed with. They're great to feel, uh, and they they just look incredibly good on the table, and I'm really happy with the way that the pictures came out for this because I got this brand new camera, which I'm actually shooting with right now, which is super awesome, but I'd never done any digital photography. The white balance was a little bit off because I didn't realize I needed to do a lot of that kind of stuff, but as far as the, the focus of the pictures, it, it looks spectacular. This game looks spectacular, but it never verges on garish, which I really dig, but there, there's also just a, a general pervasive feeling about Clans of Caledonia that I really like. Um, and I think it's because in this game, it, it's it, it really relies on opportunity cost to be a driving factor in everything that you do. So you have the placement in relation to you, like there, there could be a spot that only costs one or even zero additional coins to build there. And there could be a order that you want to grab from the market. And because you only get one action and you know that every other player around the table sees that same order, which would be delicious for them to fulfill, and they see that same placement right next to you, you have to decide, I can only grab one of those. And that's not going to be at every turn, but there's a lot of turns like that where you know you're going to want to do something that can only be done right now, and what you don't do, you leave open to your opponents. Otherwise, it's a really empowering game. It gives you a, a, a lot of ability to choose your destiny, but you don't have the ability to take all of it. And that opportunity cost is a, a great way of, of just making it feel like every decision matters. So uh, that leads me to a couple questions that I wanted to answer here. First off, Josh A. asks, if Clans of Caledonia is a bad example of Franz's artwork, what do you think is a good example? Um, well, Josh, 
to tell the truth, I'm not a particularly big Clemens Franz fan. Like, I, I respect the man's work, and he has been a cornerstone of an industry, and undoubtedly he represents having made it in board games when you can secure his artwork on your game. Um, but there are some games where I think that his artwork has just overall been better. One, I think that Caverna is a really good example. I love the vacant smile on this sheep and the complete sinister leer on this donkey. Then I think we need to turn to At the Gates of Lao Yang, and this is an earlier joint by Clemens Franz and Uwe Rosenberg. If you haven't played it, check this game out. But it has just a lot more cartoony of an approach. It, it makes it more, I don't know, palatable. Like, I, I really like the characters in this game, whereas a lot of games like, say, I don't know, Grand Austria Hotel or Clans of Caledonia, I'm not really a fan. Now, Maddie asks, what do you think of the game at different player counts, and have you played it solo? Well, to answer the latter question, no, I haven't played it solo. If anyone wants, like, a follow-up addendum solo review, I'd be happy to do that. That's something that I dig, and I like solo games. Like, I was just playing a couple games of Root Solo last night, and I'll tell you what, the Mechanical Marquis is no joke as the Woodland Alliance. I lost three times in a row. But I have not played the solo of oh, this game here, but I've looked it over and it looks pretty solid. Now, the two, three, four player game, I tend to dig three player as the, the best seating for this type of game. Two is good. Four is good. I'm kind of figuring out things with my pinky there. Four is still good. Um, I, I like it overall at all those player counts, but if I had my perfect setting, it would always be three. So the last thing I wanted to mention is just wanted to hit the BGG comment from BGG user Carter Burke, who says, I quote, I read this on your website before noticing it here. You write great reviews and thanks to you, and no pun included, I bought Spirit Island, a brilliant buy. Keep up the superb work. Well, thank you, Carter. And thank you for talking about Spirit Island in this uh, review of Clans of Caledonia. But I'm glad that you dug it no matter what. I, I'm really happy with the Spirit Island review, too. And I hope you're super excited about the expansion that's coming to Kickstarter for that soon. I got a chance to talk with our Eric Royce about that for the interview podcast, TCBH Interviews, that is going to be up here soon that covers a lot of the expansion stuff too. So I figured why not plug that here and also say thank you for your support and for reading the review. All right, everyone, that's going to do it for today. Thank you for hanging out and listening or watching this additional thoughts and review Q&A segment for Clans of Caledonia. I hope you dug it and I hope you check out all the other good stuff that we have on the website and everywhere else that you can find it. So with that said, once again, Thanks, and I've been Jack for the Cardboard Herald. Thank you for listening to the Cardboard Herald. As always, everything we do is ad-free and audience-supported. If you'd like to help keep it that way, find the Patreon link at the top of our webpage, CardboardHerald.com. 
We have several levels of support with various rewards. If you enjoyed the show, we do a whole bunch of other stuff, including reviews, interviews, and recommendations across writing, podcasts, and video. You can find that on our YouTube channel or by visiting any of our social media or our website. So with that out of the way, thank you again for listening to the Cardboard Herald. Thank you.